Hey mamas, and welcome to the Entering Motherhood podcast. This is your one-stop, go-to place for getting you from feeling drained, exhausted, and unfulfilled in motherhood to feeling more energized, organized, and accomplished. That's the vision I continue to navigate towards, and that's the vision we are sharing with you, focusing on holistic alternatives and restructuring your mind, body, and soul from the inside out. I'm your host, Sarah Marie Bilger, a wife, mom of two, mechanical engineer, VBAC mom, and doula, serving mamas through pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. If you're here for this, if you're as pumped up as I am and searching for that fire that you know is deep inside of you, then let's go. Let's uncover what it truly means to enter motherhood. You are a rock star. I believe in you. Let's doula this. Let's crank it up a notch and let's kick it into high gear together. Hey mamas, how are you? Happy Monday. I am so excited to be here today. Over the weekend was my daughter's fourth birthday and we were celebrating and enjoying that. And I am excited to share this episode with you today because we are chatting with Caitlin McGrayus, who is the owner of Be Her Village. And if you haven't heard about what that is, you will know exactly what it is and what it's all about by the end of this episode, because we dive deep about our current system and our own experiences of entering motherhood and just the powerful work that birth workers are doing and bringing into the mix and how we can be offering those services more to moms and making it easily accessible and going beyond our typical baby registries that we are so traditionally used to and just really learning how to fill in the gaps. So you are so lucky to be listening to this episode and I am just so excited to share it with you. And I am also excited to share with you that the Entering Motherhood Pregnancy Workbook is now available. This is the same workbook that I give all of my birth clients. And now I'm making it available to you. And honestly, this is something that has really been a combination of all things I love to share with my moms as they are preparing for birth and experiencing pregnancy, whether it is your first baby or your fifth baby, it is so useful. And if you're looking for a workbook that really just goes beyond the basic birth class curriculum, this is 100% for you. It has six main topics that are covered throughout the workbook that range from allowing yourself to really get to know yourself on such a deeper level and also information on how to feel your body. And it even helps narrow down different movements and preferences to consider for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. So I am just so excited to share this with you. So go ahead and check that out. Or if you have a friend or a family member who is currently going through this stage in their life, and that is why you're listening to this episode as well, go check it out because you can send it to them. It is a complete digital workbook for them to have and go through. There are journal prompts, there is pictures, there's visualizations. There is just so much packed into this 40 page workbook and it is available to you now. So 
With that, let's get this episode started, and I am so happy and excited that you are here. Well, hello, and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I am super excited to have you here today and get this conversation started. So how about you go ahead and introduce yourself for the listeners? Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. My name is Caitlin McGrayus. Um, I'm a doula. I'm the founder of Be Her Village, which is a gift registry for parents to get doulas and other support services as baby shower gifts. Um, And I'm a mom of three. And I, as we were just talking about, I have given birth via C-section with my first unplanned C-section. I had a VBAC with my second. I had a home birth with my third. And I'm really just deeply, deeply passionate. I feel like it's so cliche, but like I'm so passionate about connecting women and people who are giving birth with their power, with their, you know, with their becoming an authority in their own births, with a strong village of support and just shifting the entire motherhood experience because the motherhood experience in our country right now is kind of underwhelming at best, (laughs) deeply traumatizing and unsafe at worst. And I think there's so much that we as birth workers, as doulas, and as just mothers can do to shift that. And that's what I wake up every single day to try to do. So thanks so much for having me. This is part of it, right? This is like the Monday morning, quote unquote work. It doesn't feel like work to come here and share my story and to get to talk to people about birth and pregnancy and support and baby registries. This is like, this is the good stuff actually. So I really appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love this. I feel like I could talk about, about motherhood like day in, day out, all day, every day. Um, and it has been something that truly has changed my life. I mean, we share that unplanned cesarean story with our first and be back for a second. Like maybe I'll have a home birth if we have any more, like there's always that option. But I think really just, you know, even the name of this podcast, Entering Motherhood, it was that journey, that experience that truly just exposed me to a whole other way of life that I was just totally unaware of. I think it's one of those things like you don't know until like you get there, but more conversations are being had, but there's just still so much, I think, disconnect and misinformation and not enough going around. And so I guess just like going back to your first birth, you know, your first experience entering motherhood, we just discussed like ended in an unplanned cesarean, but what was the experience like when you first got pregnant? What was going on? So I feel like I just want to like pause and go back to something you just said there, because it really is like, it's actually my story. It's this feeling of entering motherhood, not knowing it's this feeling of like, I'm totally on my own and I have to go and figure out, I have to listen to podcasts. I have to Google things. I have to ask people. And, and that has not always been how it was. We used to be exposed to mothers and mothering and pregnancy and birth and nursing and bringing up babies that used to be part of our lives. And we used to live in multi-generational villages and then houses and then communities. And we used to be really deeply connected to motherhood and exposed to it throughout our entire lives. So by the time it came to be our turn, we'd already seen our sisters and mothers and aunts and neighbors and other women in our lives go through it. And it wasn't so behind closed doors. It wasn't so hidden. And there, we were sort of more able to tap into both the really beautiful, magical, hard to even put into words, expansive love. And, you know, I mean, all of that, that anyone who's 
been through this already understands. And also the hard parts, the sleepless nights and the worry and the breastfeeding not going well and birth going sideways, like those were all sort of like woven through our experience as people. So by the time we came, became pregnant, it wasn't so mysterious. But my story is it was sort of mysterious. I was the first person in my circle and in my family to give birth, to get pregnant, to give birth, to like sort of step into motherhood. And it was, it was really transformative. It was really disorienting. Um, I really sort of, I think a lot of people get like this, but it's definitely my thing. I was not necessarily like a quote unquote crunchy granola, holistic type of a person. And then there was something about this little perfect little being that I could impact from day one. There was this, all of a sudden, this really strong pull towards clean eating and clean living and holistic. And I just like, I just felt called into it and it was surprising. It was not, it was not anything I was known for or had really pursued before. Um, I was like a smoker. It's kind of funny. It's kind of funny saying that now, but like I smoked from like the age 12 to like 22 or 23. I mean, I smoked like a pack a day. Like what a ridiculous thing to say. Um, but there was something about becoming pregnant that called me into this idea of like, oh, how can I set this sweet little baby that I already love up for the best? And paired with that becomes this exploration of birth. I ended up interviewing a local birth center and the midwife team there. Um, I took, you know, classes with hypnosis. I, um, I started thinking about organic foods and definitely knew I wanted to breastfeed. That was one thing I have to give my own family credit for in terms of like, being exposed to as a child. I definitely, I was breastfed until I was two. My aunt breastfed all of her babies in front of me. So that was, that was a given. I was of course going to breastfeed. Um, but the rest of it was sort of like, let's just see where we can go with this. And I ended up planning an out of hospital birth center birth with midwives. Um, and I, I joke about this, but I like essentially was like, I'm going to open like the beautiful flower I am and the baby will just drop out of me. Like I had this like real, you know, it will all work out how it should. Um, and I watched the business of being born, which every single person, if you're not, if you've not already watched it, go watch that movie. And I know it might not be in your, like, I want to watch, I don't want to have negative things coming into like, just go watch it it's fine. Put put on your earmuffs, but like, go watch it. It's very important. Um, but I watched it and I, <laughs> it's Monday morning. I'm being a little blunt. Um, I watched it and I was, God, I was like in my twenties and I was just like, I'm untouchable. I'm invincible. I'm outspoken. I tell people to go F themselves. Like I was just, I don't know. I was like New York city and I was a teacher and I had moved out of my house when I was 22. I was just like untouchable. And so I watched that movie and I was like, mm, whatever, I'll be fine. Spoiler alert, not fine. <laughs> Nothing was fine. I ended up really just like systematically within 25 seconds, just being totally stripped of my power. It was unbelievable how fast it went. And like the, the details of it are basically that my midwife was like, okay, it's time to go get induced right now. I thought I was getting midwifery care. Um, it's a little complicated. I only learned this later in my doula work still to this day, there's no midwife owned birth centers in New York state. New York state has a lot of laws and regulations. Um, I'm sure you've heard we were kind of popular in the pandemic for that, but that we had like a midwife run birth center that was owned by physicians who were actually calling all the shots. So I was getting 
OB care with a midwife face, which was very deceptive. And I ended up sort of like, that was the beginning of, of my first birth. So very long story short, I was told to go to the hospital. I ended up having an induction, a cytotech induction in the C-section recovery room. That's where they set me up for my induction. It was absolutely wild. And then my midwife was like, all right, bye. Call me if you need an epidural. And she went home to sleep. So a lot went wrong very early on. But yeah, it was just like, it was this systemic stripping of my power. I I went from somebody who was like a person with wishes and wants and desires and feelings and thoughts and plans, you know, and they were just, it was like, nope, this is what we're doing. This is what we do every day. And you're going to fit into that. Um, And I didn't really have the tools that I needed to navigate that. So I ended up, my, my cesarean story is like, I got an epidural and my baby didn't respond well to it. I think after being a doula now for 10 years, I think it's because I actually was opening very quickly and he dropped down and then he was a little asynclitic. So it just sort of, he didn't tolerate it well and we needed to do a C-section, which I actually ended up asking for because the whole experience was so far away from what I wanted that the midwife was like, we're going to just watch this horrific tracing, which is like the baby's heart rate for 40 minutes. And then the OB will come talk to you. I was like, no, I want a healthy baby, which is a toxic thing to tell someone that they should care about. But like as the mom, who's all of my birth wishes had gone out the window, I wanted at the very least a healthy baby to hold at the end of this. Um, And so that was how I entered motherhood with this C-section and with feeling disoriented, the um, lactation consultant at the hospital told me I was starving my baby, which was really helpful. Um, and I just, I was, I was alone when I got home. My husband was back at work while I was still in the hospital because despite working for New York, New York city, there's no paid parental leave. There's no paid paternity leave. Like women are basically forced to take their sick days, which is not fair. Um, and then men don't get anything. And he went back to work while I was still in the hospital and I didn't know how to mother. I didn't know how to recover from a C-section and take care of a newborn and breastfeed. And again, the aloneness was the worst part. And that is like why I created Be Her Village. It's why I just, I'm on this mission to make sure that instead of being surrounded by all this crap that the baby stores are selling us, telling us that we need all these bouncers and gadgets and things, that we actually just need someone to like sit there and be like, Hey, this is, this is okay. This is hard. This isn't forever. Let me make you some tea and show you how to latch your baby. You know, like just, you just need like a person, you need a village, you need a friend, you need somebody to come over um, and help in that postpartum time. And it makes all of the difference. So that was my C-section experience. And it was incredibly jarring to me, just how my life felt in before and after, right? Like I just, in the pregnancy, I was told, hey, you have a baby shower and like, you know, you enjoy every moment. There's all these like, there's all this imagery of like snuggling a newborn and everything's great. And then when you end up snuggling a newborn and everything is not great, it feels like you did something wrong. It feels like I messed up. This is my fault, my problem, my failure, you know? And, and the truth that I only revealed to myself in having another baby and another baby and in supporting hundreds of women through their own births and transformations is that it's not my fault. It's not your fault. It's not her fault. It's not our fault. It is America 
and our lack of infrastructure to support women and mothers, that is the fault. That is the problem that we do not have any infrastructure. We don't have paid parental leave. We don't have health visitors at home more than, sorry, now I'm going off on a rant, but like not to bring maternal mortality into it because it's such a downer. And I'm so sorry for anyone who's pregnant and listening to this, but like, we got to talk about it. It's this big elephant in the room. Maternal mortality. I always had this vision of it being like women bleeding out and like emergencies in the birth. We all get so scared of the birth, the birth, the birth, you know, where more than half of women die during their childbirth. It's in the postpartum time. Women are failed when they are sent home in one of the riskiest times of their lives regarding their health. And there's no health visitors. There's no eyes on them. And you get one six week visit. It's unbelievable. It's unethical. It should be illegal. And it's why we have maternal mortality crisis. And, you know, it's easy to go, well, that's not going to be me, you know? And it's like, sure. But maternal mortality is a spectrum, right? Like there's wildly successful, beautiful, respectful, autonomous, like comforting community care on one side of the spectrum. And then there's dying in your maternal transformation on the other side. And in the middle, it's a lot of gray. In the middle is a lot of postpartum mood disorders and anxiety and distress and failed breastfeeding. And just there's all of this like non-clinical or subclinical sort of like people telling you, well, what did you think it was going to be easy? And it's like, well, I no, but like, I didn't think it was gonna be this hard and it's not supposed to be this hard. And I think many, 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 many of us fall into that gray area between like joyful and celebratory parenthood and motherhood and and the absolute worst case scenario happening. There's a lot in between. And I think the vast majority of us are in that in between where we're being failed, we're blaming ourselves. And then we sort of get this weird like badge of honor, like, I'm going to be independent and do this myself. Like, no, you're not supposed to do this by yourself. You're supposed to do this with people and generational wisdom and hands-on care. You know, you're not supposed to have all these like items, you know, that are just like buzzing and booping and swaying and timing and, and lighting up and alerting your cell phone. Like you're supposed to have a grandmother. You're supposed to have an auntie. You're supposed to have a doula. You're supposed to have people caring for us as we care for our babies. And that's, yeah. that's my story. So we didn't even get to the V-back. I just sort of went on a rant about <laughs> motherhood. No, but country. I mean, like, thank you for, yeah. Like, thank you for sharing like all of that so much because it is so relevant and it is so important to understand. And I think like, even to that, you know, we're having this conversation, we're speaking up about this because we have had those experiences and it has been things that we have been through. And I think it's difficult for people that one have never been through it. So then, you know, they are like, oh, well, that's not going to be me, you know? So like, they don't really relate or they just block it off or they just kind of push it aside or like, they're, I don't want to say sorry for you or anything. Like, it's almost like, they're like, oh, like I never knew that. Or I'm so sorry that happened to you. And it's like, well, you should just be angry that the whole system is really failing and that there's just so much disconnect in all of this. And then, like I said, like, it's just, they're thinking like, it's not going to happen to them or they have had something and they're like, well, you know, yeah, that's just what happens. Like you get over it. And I think, you know, going back to what you were saying, all the generational impact and everything, if we have generations before us that have been through this, that have really been traumatized, but they have had to 
you know, fight and withhold it or never fully heal from it. Now they are saying things like, oh yeah, like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It just happens. Um, it's just part of it. You know, like they're brushing it off and they're telling you like, why are you so angry about it? Or why are you so frustrated? Or, you know, like it, it's almost like diminishing it and just saying, you know, it's just, it is what it is. And it's so discrediting when you want to really push for more and, ask the questions and get curious mm -hmm. and dive into this work so much deeper when there are people like, I would say like exhausted and done with it. And like, I have talked to people, you know, generations before me and such. And like, for me specifically, it's difficult because I lost my mom when I was really young. And so like, mm -hmm. I don't have that direct mother connection to know like, what her birth was like and things like that. But like, there are other people in my life that are there. And I think when I like speak up about this stuff or talk about these things and things like that, they're just kind of like, oh yeah, like, you know, that happened or that just happens. Like, why are we getting, you know, emotional about it? Or why are we getting like, like you know, like it's just, it's, it's crazy to hear that it's again being sort of like, push down once all of these conversations are coming up. It's really, it's almost like as a population, we've become so numb to what could be. One of the things that has stoked my absolute like focus on making this shift happen is researching what happens in other countries. The United States is the only wealthy country in the world that doesn't guarantee paid parental leave. The only one. And we're like one of the wealthiest countries, if not the wealthiest country in the world. And every other developed country is guaranteeing paid parental leave. So you get time to heal and recover and be cared for by a partner and connect with your newborn. You know, it's not just about mothers. It's about fathers too. It's about partners being able to like do the skin to skin and, and establish the family, right? Like you can't just pop out a baby and be like, all right, peace out, go back to work, which is what my husband had to do. It's like, if we're going to be like a country that values families, we have to start with the creation, the beginning of it. Um, we're the only country that doesn't offer paid parental leave. And we're the only developed country that doesn't offer in-home postpartum care. Every other developed country on the planet has a health visitor, a doula, a nurse, um, a somebody, somebody coming in and checking on the mother. I talked to um, a doula in Switzerland who said that they have 16 visits between birth and the six week visit with a midwife, many of them in the home, 16, which honestly is about right. That's how many times a brand new mother should be checked on. That's how many times her baby and the relationship and her bleeding and her mood and her blood pressure and all of these things should be checked on to ensure health. And we're sitting over here in the wealthiest country in the world you know, with nothing, with nothing built in for mothers. And we're thinking we don't deserve it. We're thinking that, you know, we really need to do things on our own, this like fierce independence. And it's really, it's very backwards. And it's more than that, it's experimental. Because I think there's this feeling of like, well, we've been doing it on our own for a while. It's like, no, we've been doing it on our own for like two generations. And it's not going well. Have you looked around? It's not going up. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's not going well. And like the way that you heal the country and the way that you heal everything is by 
healing mothers and babies and healing birth and bringing us into this nurturing and supportive place. I mean, it's been proven out. It stokes the economy. More mothers can return back to work. Employers that offer benefits like Be Her Village registries being funded or other family like maternity leaves and other other employee benefits that are family focused have 5.5 uh, times more growth. They have more retention. They have employers uh, employees coming back. This is like if you want to talk about economy and like healing the country, if we're going to talk numbers, because some people really function in that way, the way to do that is to take care of mothers. The way to do that is to support this postpartum time um, so that you don't end up with, with these health issues that prevent a return to work, that prevent productivity, that really, that lead to families being frayed right from the very beginning. Yeah. And I think, you know, like you said too, it's the in-home care yeah. is so important because there are so many parents, moms that are, you know, having a baby and then three days, two days later, sometimes required to go into the pediatrician. And then if there's, you know, jaundice or low birth weight and, and issues that they're, they're saying that the baby needs to come back, you're then, you know, getting back into the car, driving to that location, going back for a checkup, and you're not giving yourself the time to rest. And sure, you can say, oh, well, mom can stay home and like rest, somebody else can take the baby. But if you're breastfeeding, you can't let the baby leave that long, and then return back. Like, it's just there's there's so much of, uh, oh, we'll just do this, like a band-aid solution of something. And in actuality, that's not working out. It, you can't just do that or, oh, I just did this or, oh, this is fine. And it's like, have you ever actually tried to do that? Or, you know, have you ever been through that stage? And I think it's just, it's a lot of just disconnect. And I think the more people that are sharing their stories and speaking out and really uncovering what is going on, the more conversations that are going to be had and a more greater shift is going to occur in a better direction. And like you said, like other countries are functioning in different ways and why aren't we doing that? Or why aren't we taking note to that? So, yes. and I just want to like, back, you just made such a great point about sort of babies and care. If you look at just the typical medical care that's offered, you go every six weeks in the beginning to your OB or your midwife, and then you go every four weeks and then you go every two weeks. And then at the very end, you go every week. And then during labor, you're monitored and watched the entire time. And then in the postpartum time, you get an hour of recovery, four blood pressure checks, a couple of days in a hospital bed, and they send you on your way. The baby gets three-day visit, weight checks, one-month visit, six-week shots, eight-week, whatever it is. It's like an intense amount of care for the baby, and the mother becomes completely invisible, even though she's at her highest risk, highest risk in the postpartum there's more risk in the postpartum than maybe any other time, right? Yeah. And we're that's where we're losing most mothers. That's where so many of not just the physical, and there are plenty of physical dangers in the postpartum time, but the emotional and mental. And, you know, it's this thing where we have, we have weight checks for the baby, but like, what does a baby need really? The baby needs a mother. The baby needs a parent. The baby needs an alive, stable, calm, connected, well-fed, well-rested, well-cared-for 
well able to show up for her baby or their baby caregiver. And the way that you get that is community care. The way that you get that is in-home visits. The way that you get that is by showing up for mothers, by a community showing up to uplift that mother, even if it's just for the first few days and weeks. It's not, this is not actually that heavy of a lift, I have to say. And like part of what's so difficult about it is that there's this idea that like, that this is so hard to solve. Oh, this problem of motherhood is so difficult to solve. Like it's actually not. It literally, it's like just a few home visits by like doulas and nurses and midwives. You know, it's like one of the lowest cost things that you could pay for in healthcare. It's not surgery. It's not like this, hmm, we're not really even sure. It's, we don't have to do years of research. We know what we need. We need care in the home. We need multiple different um, uh, types of care, right? We need pelvic floor care. We need mental health care. We need lactation care. We need in-home health. And we're sitting here scratching our heads. Meanwhile, there's $12 billion worth of baby products being bought by communities for mothers, $12 billion a year. Imagine, even if we took half of that, if we took $6 billion a year and spent that on in-home care for mothers, on doulas, on lactation visits, on a pelvic floor visit to return to work, like, or to return to exercise, this is, this is a world that's very, very, very possible. And the platform has been built. Be Her Village has been built. We're already working towards it. We've had almost $200,000 funded on our site for mothers, um, it's getting closer, but it's like, I'm sitting here thinking, man, imagine a world where our daughters or even, you know, the mothers right now can tap into this money that's being spent. It's already being spent. And you know why? Because people are so generous. This is the problem that exists in our country where communities are not caring for their mothers properly is not because they don't want to. It's not because they don't have the money to. It's because they don't have the mechanism to. It's because they go to baby stores and baby stores tell them, hey, the new mom needs this. And you know what? She doesn't. She needs this over here. She needs what's on Beer Village. She needs doulas and pelvic floor specialists and meals and laundry and hugs. And she needs someone to tell her it's going to be okay and it's not going to last that long. And it's really hard. She's doing great. Like those are the things that she needs. And when we start shifting how we uh, support mothers through their baby showers and we start shifting how we think about what a baby needs, the very best thing for our babies is for us to be okay. It's the whole paradigm changes. And I'm, and I'm really literally just working every day to get to that tipping point where that is understood. And with Be Your Village, what we've done is we built this. It's like, I was, I'm just a doula. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, nobody really knows what they're doing. It shouldn't stop you from doing the thing you want to do. And I just set out and I thought, well, what if, what if we had a baby registry that had what parents actually need? What if we gave moms the actual support they need as baby shower gifts? So we built the platform. I literally hired a developer and paid money out of my own pocket. And I set out with two questions. Will people even register for this? Right? Like, am I even, is this crazy? Probably, but will people register for this? And once they do, will their friends and family support them? Will they buy a gift? Will they buy a doula as a baby shower gift? And the answer to both of those is yes, 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 and yes. And it's so cool to see it starting. Um, but the truth is we're really small. We don't, I don't have marketing. I don't have anything. We go on podcasts like yours, Sarah, and thank you for this. And we have moms using us and telling each other, Hey, I just registered 
on Be Her Village, like, you should check this out because this is how you fund your dual. You have people getting thousands of dollars in their bank accounts to pay for their postpartum care. It is an absolute game changer because the other thing that we sort of haven't broached here is like, we need all of this support and insurance doesn't cover it. It doesn't. Insurance isn't covering postpartum doulas. Insurance is barely covering mental health care. It depends on the insurance. They're not covering doulas. Some of them cover lactation. Some of them cover midwives, but the, the care is spotty and inconsistent. And it really depends on your coverage, on, on what you have in the area, on what the practitioners in your area will even accept as far as insurance. It's an incredible um, initiative. And I really highly encourage anyone who feels excited about this to join us, to come check us out, to make a, a baby registry, to add support, to shop for support. We have a whole shopping guide where you can find the care in your neighborhood. And if we don't have anybody on there yet, you just click a button and you get on the phone with me or you get on the phone with JD, who's my partner, and we'll find, we'll shop for you. We'll find the support in your community because it exists and you deserve it and you deserve to be able to afford it. And everybody should have a better birth experience and postpartum experience than I did. Quite frankly. Not that it was like that awful, but it was... It was not what I deserved. I deserved to feel better and not panicked and stressed and alone. Yeah. And, you know, like you said too, you know, oh, like for like our daughters or for like, you know, like our children and things like that, it doesn't have to be future generations. It can be yeah. happening right now because it is, and we can be making a change right now because it's happening. And I think like, that's what a lot of people are like, oh yeah, like, you know, you want like what's best for your kids and you want them to have like a better future, but like, you don't realize that if you've been through something or you realize that there can be something done differently, you know, like if you're still going to these baby showers and not, you know, telling them about doulas or telling them about pelvic floor therapy, or even just talking about mental health in general. And it's sort of like discrediting to what we have the ability to do right now. Like if you are listening to this, if you are aware of this, if you are digging into this information, it's so beneficial to be sharing it and to be talking about it and to be, you know, asking your friends like, Hey, like, have you thought about this? Or have you looked into this? Because you might think you're alone in wanting this uh, extra care. You might think like, Oh, like I can't possibly ask my friends for, you know, money for a doula because they're going to think like, you know, I'm all like hippy dippy and like wanting to like be all crunchy or something like that. But like, it is possible. And I think more people are opening up to it and realizing how important and how beneficial it is. And, you know, I've had people like, Oh yeah, like you should just make like a, you know, 10 things to put on your baby registry, like the best stroller and the best crib and like this and that. And I'm like, okay, sure. Like maybe like that's going to get people thinking like, oh, that's what I need. Or like, you know, they still are like, yes, you need a, a stroller or a car seat. Definitely like get yourself like some of those items. Like we're not saying that those things aren't important. It's just these things also need to be on the list. And these things also need to be introduced and also need to be like talked about. And it needs to be all intertwined together because you need a place for your baby to sleep, but you also need to feel well rested. So we can have both. <laughs> like yes. it, it's not completely like getting rid of, you know, you can still have like all of these items and all the balloons or whatever you want and have the pretty seat that you sit in at the baby shower and 
you know, the decorations and things like that. Like you don't have to get rid of those things to be able to honor the other things that have the potential to change your motherhood experience. Absolutely. And it's so funny you say the, the 10 registry, you know, items, we actually, when you create a Be Her Village registry, we send a um, 10 things that you need on your registry that you won't find in a baby store. And it actually sort of walks people through thinking about those things, because in my opinion, the only thing that should be on your registry essential for your baby is a well-supported mother. That's what they need. They need you to feel good. That is first and foremost. Your baby is going to spend most of their time on you, on your body, sleeping on you, feeding on you, being comforted by you, right? Like you are your baby's ecosystem. You are what they are connected to. And that's really like not what the baby source are telling us. They're telling us they need bouncers and play mats and strollers and containers and all of these external things. I'm like, sure, we do. We need some of those things. Um, but the vast majority of the time, the baby's going to be on you. So just the way, the same way you want the best car seat and the best stroller, don't you want the best parent? Don't you want the best version that can show up and respond to your baby's needs and be connected to them and be the most successful, um, in that parenting time? It is, it's something that we often neglect and it's easy to shift into, this idea of thinking about ourselves as a baby container that needs um, to be cared for. Yeah, we don't have to play into that narrative. Like once babies here, all attention has to go on them. Like we yeah. still need to be cared for and we still need to be honoring those things and we should be. And, you know, even if it's like you need to push for that yourself, then maybe so be it. But hopefully like more people are are opening up to that and seeing, you know, the need that like when you go over to visit a mom, don't just like pay attention to the baby, like ask her like how she is and what she's doing yes. um, and what she needs. Exactly. So. I love that. Wow. Do you have any other like final piece of advice or words of wisdom or anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah, I would just say that if, if you take anything from this, just know that motherhood is not supposed to be done alone, that you're not supposed to be everything to everyone, that you can show up as you are and to, to think about as you're building that traditional baby registry with all the stuff on it, think about what your support will look like. Think about how you're going to get rest, how you're going to get fed and how you're going to get validation and connection because there, it cannot be overstated how powerful connecting with another human being is who knows what you're going through. Um, and that community of support is really life altering in that postpartum time. So find mom groups, find, come on, be her village, find doulas, find lactation professionals, um, get connected, get plugged in and get the support that you deserve. Awesome. How can we reach you, get in contact with you? Where are you typically hanging out on social media, if at all? Yeah, yeah well, Instagram for sure. Um, I'm, I answer all the messages. I'm in the stories a lot. I'm, I'm, you know, it's like, we're a small team. I'm doing the social media. Um, so follow us at Be Her Village and also go to beherville.com. You can, if you're a mom or going to be a mom, you can make a registry right there. You can check out our shopping guide. You can connect with us. We'll shop for you. Um, and if you're a doula or somebody else that supports parents, please, please click on get started. Um, we have a whole portal and business side. You can sign up for free. You can get 
found in our shopping guide and we're really, um, it's an incredible tool to share with your clients. So if your clients are looking for a way to afford you, Be Her Village is the answer. So get involved, go to beherville.com, B-E-H-E-R-V-I-L-L-A-G-E.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much for having me. This is amazing. Thank you, mamas, so much for listening. Remember, you are a rock star. I believe in you. Let's doula this. Let's crank it up a notch and let's kick it into high gear together. Hit that subscribe button. Share this episode with a friend. Message me, email me, call me, beat me. You know how to reach me. We're doing this, mamas. I am so excited to catch you here next week. This is your one-stop go-to place for helping you find the resources you need to make the best choices for you and your family during pregnancy, birth, and most importantly, postpartum. See you later, mamas.